0: Have you ever been in that situation where you're trying to have a conversation with someone, but it seems like neither one of you is understanding anything the other person says? Yeah, it's happened to me before. And it's something that we see over and over again when educators and companies have a conversation.
1: But we at EdSurge hate it when that conversation goes poorly. So we went to ISTE and we recorded a real live conversation between an educator and a company. And we'll share it with you, along with three big pitfalls we noticed and how to avoid
0: them. All that, plus our weekly roundup of edtech news coming up. I'm Mary Jo Matta.
1: And I'm Michael Winters. Welcome to the EdSurge podcast. Let's get started.
0: To start off our news stories, here's a number, Five. Five? Yes. Five. And why am I saying the number five? Well, it's a very important number to Chicago area CTO, Jenny McGuera, because it's the minimum number of teaching years that tech administrators need to be effective at that role, at least according to her. She's a prime example of that, having gone from teaching to STEM coaching to being a district administrator over the course of a decade. We interviewed the CTO this week. She's also a judge for the Digital Innovation and Learning Awards, and we wanted to hear her thoughts on what makes a good administrator. Along the way, she threw in the fact that, in her opinion, it's a very different thing to give someone advice about mobile devices when you've heard about them rather than having actually used them yourself.
1: EdSurge columnist Eric Horowitz writes this week about one of the main promises of EdTech the ability to predict which students will need extra help in the classroom. Horowitz describes studies in which researchers are trying to predict student outcomes using three metrics, students' usage of curriculum materials, engagement with tools, and their knowledge of a particular subject. The hope, he writes, is that technology will allow teachers to get a better sense of which students are learning without additional formal
0: assessments. Well, here's a crazy bit of news. While I was at the TEACH 2015 conference, sponsored by the American Federation of Teachers in D.C. this past Tuesday, IBM discussed the latest version of its Jeopardy-smashing Watson for schools and teachers. Yes, remember Watson, the big supercomputer that bested Ken Jennings at trivia? Well, IBM plans to roll it out for schools in the fall of 2016. Here's the deal, though. Teachers are a bit mixed in their reactions. So the idea for it is that it technically searches across the internet and grabs resources depending on what a teacher needs. But at the conference, I heard questions like, if I'm putting lessons on the system, are you gaining ownership over my intellectual property? As well as another question, will Watson be updated to include new materials and standards over time? My personal big question is whether Watson will deliver on what IBM is saying it'll do, and if IBM will truly involve teachers in the feedback process. We shall see. I
1: loved Ken Jennings, and therefore I despise Watson the computer.
0: Well, well I don't know. Teachers might end up loving it. So.
1: <laughs> Could be. What do you get when you give an educational game a blockbuster budget? You might end up with something resembling Lexica, the flagship title in Amplify's suite of learning games. Our colleague, Brady Fukumoto, sat down with Amplify's VP of Games, Justin Lates, to learn more about the development and reception of Lexica. In a wide ranging interview, the two discuss Amplify's vision for games, how playing board games as a kid has influenced the developers, and whether tablets or traditional computers make the most sense for gaming. Check out the full interview on EdSurge.com.
0: On Wednesday, President Obama formally announced Connect Home, a government private sector partnership to bring high speed broadband to families in HUD assisted housing across the U.S. The White House fact sheet says this effort will make broadband more adoptable, valuable, and sustainable. It'll launch pilots in 28 communities from Springfield, Massachusetts to Fresno, California, and even the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma.
1: And now it's time for ka Michigan-based Xanadu has raised an $8.1 million round to build out its corporate learning and development business. Superior Capital Partners in Detroit and Plymouth Ventures in Ann Arbor contributed to the round. M-Level, a casual learning platform that companies can use to train employees, has raised a $5.3 million Series A round from BIP Capital. And ClassWallet has raised a $1.9 million seed round from New School Venture Seed Fund, Kaplan Ventures, and William Gutman. Existing investors, Accelerated Growth Partners, and Mavericks Lab also chipped in. ClassWallet helps educators raise, manage, and track money and offers a payment tool currently accepted by a variety of commonly used vendors. Congratulations to those three companies and to everyone else who raised money this week.
0: And to wrap up the news, one big, big company change that just got announced this past Thursday. Education Entrepreneurs, the team that has organized over 70 Startup Weekend EDU events across six continents, will be formally joining 4.0 schools a nonprofit education incubator based in New Orleans. This move comes after UpGlobal, the parent company that runs Startup Weekends, among other activities, was acquired by Techstars, an accelerator for tech startups. Mandela Schumacher-Hodge, director of Education Entrepreneurs, seems to be pretty happy about this as she called the deal a match made in heaven. Okay, now for today's deep dive, we're going to talk about talking. Yeah, that's right, talking. Specifically, we're talking about what happens when companies and educators get together and talk. Now, sometimes magic happens, and everybody is on the same page, everybody gets along, and both sides find exactly what they're looking for. But not always. No,
1: not always. If you're listening to this and you're an educator or you work for an education tech company, chances are you are currently thinking of a situation where you talked to someone on the other side and came away totally baffled or frustrated by the conversation.
0: I know I've got a couple of situations that are popping into my head right now. Me too. But this conversation between companies and educators is very important to us and it's a key reason why EdSurge was founded and continues to exist. We at EdSurge believe very strongly that the lines of communication between educators and companies should always be wide open, and we see it as one of our most important goals to help create that dialogue and to keep it going. It's the driving force behind mo- much of our editorial work, our summits, countless in-office debates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Michael, while you and I were at ISTE, you decided to investigate it a bit, and I'll let you take it from here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Everything we've said so far, it's not surprising to anyone, but I wanted to dig a little bit deeper. Where and how exactly does this conversation go awry? And when it does, is there anything we can do to fix it? One of my goals at ISTE was to find out, and luckily, Mary Jo knew the perfect person to help me. All right, so I am here with a very good friend of Ed Surge uh, and a really awesome person who I just met today, Carrie Gallagher. Um, Carrie, can you introduce yourself for us, please?
2: I am, I have been a history teacher in middle and high school, at the middle and high school levels for about 13 years, but newly minted technology integration specialist starting this week.
0: Congratulations.
2: Thank you. Very excited. And I'm lucky enough to be able to write for Edsert.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, now Carrie is being a bit modest there. She's not just a tech specialist, she's also a fantastic blogger. She was a writer for our 50 States project, and she's just an all-around friend of Ed and a wonderful person. Yeah,
1: Carrie is awesome. I had so much fun with her. And of course, before you even get to improving communications with companies, you have to find one that you want to talk to. I met up with Carrie at the ISTE's Blogger Cafe, just a three-minute walk from the expo hall. And even though there were hundreds of edtech companies nearby and happy to chat, Carrie wasn't necessarily super keen to talk to many of them.
2: So for ISTE, I had planned to interact with the companies whose tools I know I use and love, just to give them some love, and also to interact with um, the people I know who um, work for some of these companies who are just really great people. And if anything else jumped out at me, I was gonna kind of let that happen naturally, but I wasn't gonna go after it. I'm here for the connections with the educators that I network with over the course of the year. That's really my primary goal.
0: Yes, I can definitely relate to that. I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, the IST Expo Hall can be quite um, overwhelming, to <laughs> say the least. There are just so many people, and so many companies especially, and so many of the companies are pressuring you to talk to them or try their product just Ugh, I can't yeah. even think about it again. Right. and
1: Carrie made that point, too, that she really just doesn't want to be pressured when she walks through the hall. She just wants to talk to who she wants to talk to. But this is a topic for another podcast, maybe even a series of podcasts.
0: Right, we're not here today to talk about selling strategies. Focus, Winters. Yes,
1: yes, ma'am. So the point is that once you have overcome all of the barriers that might prevent an educator from talking to a company, that's when the issues around communications pop up. So this is what we agreed to. Carrie would select an ed tech company that looked interesting and let us record her talking to that company. And that's exactly what we did. But throughout the conversations that happened next, I observed three big pitfalls that often happen when companies and educators try to talk to each other. But the first pitfall popped up way before we got anywhere near the expo hall. So, Carrie, let's now uh, figure out who we're going to talk to. So, okay. there's 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 like five hundred people in the other room.
2: I know. Um,
1: so, what sorts of are you like looking for particular types of tools, or is there something like you're, you're, you you want to see?
2: So, some of my favorite tools to check out are formative assessment tools okay. that produce information that can be used to um, personalize learning and figure out interventions that will be effective for students. Okay. Um, so,
1: we open up our ISTE programs and. Maybe e-learning management systems, would that help us? Okay. I
2: don't, I don't see them. Oh,
1: it's an e-learning as a category.
2: Oh,
0: E-learning uh... management systems
1: is a category.
0: Uh, I see the problem. So Carrie wants an assessment product, mm-hmm. but nothing is actually listed as an assessment product. Right. So let me, I'm looking at my IST program right now. And, okay, companies are grouped into categories like e-learning management systems, and adaptive technology and curriculum. Okay, so that means nothing to me. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to find a product that I like in all of this?
1: Exactly, and I counted on my recording, there were a full three minutes and 21 seconds of silence while Carrie and I looked for an assessment tool. And this is pitfall number one. The words that educators use to describe the products that they want are often very different from the words that companies use to describe the products they're creating.
0: Yeah, so in other words, there's no common lexicon that everybody agrees on. EdTech isn't like chemistry, where a certain prefix or suffix indicates a very specific process or a type of molecule. Right. EdTech sometimes feels like a new language is developing. And we say that all the time at EdSurge. Right,
1: and, and this is exactly the reason why sites like our EdTech index or Common Sense's Graphite exist to try to establish a common language and categorize products in a way that makes sense for educators to find and use new tools. But it's hard. It's something I struggle with every day at EdSurge. And as you said, words mean different things to different people. Mm -hmm. As another example, Carrie eventually told me that since she couldn't find an assessment tool, she wanted a workflow tool. And Mary Jo, in the past year of working with and reviewing ed tech companies, I have never heard anyone describe anything
0: as a workflow tool. Oh yeah, yep, a workflow tool, which I'm, I'm looking through the ISTE program, I don't see any indication of that in here. So yeah. to me, a workflow tool is something that basically organizes those typical documents, day-to-day tasks that any teacher deals with. So my ideal workflow tool, for example, would include um, a place to upload lesson plans, post homework assignments, communicate grades to students, yeah, stuff like that. Exactly.
1: So you're a teacher. You were a teacher. You get that. I mm-hmm. didn't get it. But once Carrie decided she was looking for a workflow tool, she eventually found one that she liked. Wait, so who did you just find? I
2: just found Chalk Up.
1: And uh, why do you, what What? what attracted you to ChalkUp?
2: So the way they describe themselves is they're a next generation learning platform that actually connects classes, making it easier to assign homework, study, grade, and share resources. And that is the workflow thing that I would say.
1: Okay, let's go. So Carrie has picked Chalk Up and we make our way over to the expo hall. We enter the room and weave our way through the brightly colored booths. Uh, After a few minutes of trying to find the booth, we finally get there. And it's at this point in our tale that we need to introduce our other protagonist.
3: I'm Justin Shanda. I'm CEO and co-founder at Chalk Up. It was a product that my co-founder and I started while we were both in college at Lafayette College in Pennsylvania. And uh, it was really out of a result of working and... Working on the technology that we had in a, in a pretty good school, that we didn't feel like was meeting our needs as far as being able to communicate and collaborate with each other, especially by asking questions and, and getting stuck working on something all alone in your dorm room and, and not knowing anyone else in your class. So we wanted a way to be able to communicate and uh, really work with each other to, you know, get unstuck.
0: Oh, cool! That's a fairly typical edtech startup story.
1: Yep. It is. Justin is young, he's clearly just recently out of college, but he also gives off an air of confidence. He seems like the type of person who has an idea and believes that his idea will succeed. He's also very personable. When we walked up, we couldn't talk to him right away because he was engaged in a super deep conversation with a couple of other educators.
0: So what, wait a second, what exactly is ChalkUp?
1: Yeah, great question. I'll actually let Justin describe it.
3: ChalkUp is a class collaboration platform. We think of ourselves as a next generation learning management system and really optimized for class-wide collaboration and working with each other especially in regards to any of the things you do on Chalkup, such as creating assignments, adding new discussions, sharing great resources, any links or videos, as well as any files and course materials from Google Drive. Everything lives here. Okay. So think of Chalkup as your home base, your, your center for everything you do in your class.
1: So what he's describing essentially is an LMS, a learning management system. Chalkup really does it all. Teachers can assign work to classes or individual students. Those students can collaborate on assignments or ask each other questions. Teachers can grade assignments, and feedback goes right to the students, all without relieving the ChalkUp platform.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: Yeah, and the other thing to know about Chalk Up is that it is a very pretty tool. Really, it, it is so clean, everything is so easy to read with a friendly interface. Think like Apple-level design and simplicity.
0: Okay, the skeptic in me is coming out, so is it really that good?
1: I, I was pretty impressed, it's nice to look at. Uh, so to start the conversation, Justin is describing the tool. So,
3: the first thing you do is really come to the create new button on the left, it's everywhere in chaco mm-hmm. And what do you want to do today? You know, create a new assignment, new discussion, or new material? Uh,
2: okay. I like to see what an assignment looks like.
3: Okay, so here's the new assignment window. and. It's your opportunity to really customize this and make it engaging for your students. You give it a name, you tag it. It smartly tags different assignments, you know, and basically, oh, there's some standard And
1: Justin goes into a couple of other features early on and things seem to be going well. But very quickly we come to this. Justin is describing how comments from students stream in real time. When Carrie asks.
2: So when the comments show up right on the screen, like in real time.
3: As soon as you create a comment here, if you're following this discussion, Mm -hmm. the comments are going to come in here without any reloading.
2: Okay, and then will the...
3: Like, it's not going to take over the video.
2: Right, so that's my next question is, as the comments are coming down, will the screen automatically scroll up or will the video stay as what's on top? So you used to... Wait,
0: what? So what is the issue here? Yeah,
1: so this one's a little bit more subtle. The issue is one of prioritization. This is pitfall number two. Companies and teachers prioritize very different features when they think about products.
0: Uh, okay, I think I see what you mean. So Carrie is envisioning how she would use this tool in her classroom, and she wants to know a little bit more about that particular detail, uh, which is something that Chalkup might not have spent a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. But for Carrie, this totally makes sense because she wants to use it to get students' reactions to material in real time, mm-hmm. and that auto-scrolling would let her do that. Yeah. If this is a big part of her classroom practice, then she's got the right to ask about it.
1: Oh, absolutely. But think about this from Chalkup's perspective. At this point in the conversation, Carrie hasn't heard anything about Chalkup's integration with Quizlet, anything about the wealth of assignment and grading features, anything about how Chalkup's calendar and to-do lists help students manage their time. These are all parts of the product that the company has worked really hard to build. And Carrie wants to know about this tiny, tiny detail that is barely on their radar. It would be like if you, Mary Jo, showed up with this script for the podcast and before reading any of it, I asked, oh, that's great, but are all of the commas in the right place? Yeah,
0: okay, I see your point. But you're not saying that teachers shouldn't ask about those features, Oh, no, 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 definitely
1: not. So one of our tenets at EdSurge is that teachers can and should ask whatever questions they want of companies. What I am saying is that if you're a company, you need to be ready for these seemingly out-of-the-blue questions from educators. And if you're an educator, the small things that are obvious to you might not be so obvious to a company. They're thinking about totally different things.
0: The other point that's interesting about that is that if I'm chalk up, I might have had questions from other teachers who don't want auto-scrolling.
1: Ah, that great point. And that leads us right to pitfall number three. Every educator uses a product in a different way, and it is impossible for a company to customize the tool for everyone. So one thing about Chalkup that you need to understand before this next clip, there are basically two different streams in Chalk Up. One where a teacher can post her lessons for students to download, and another for students to discuss the lesson. Listen to what happens when Carrie asks whether she can post multimedia lessons in the lesson channel.
2: So another really important part of my teaching is um, like other multimedia resources. So like what does a YouTube video look like on
3: Chalkup? Yeah, sure. We're really integrate those types of resources are in our discussions because any of that we feel like if you post something and all you do is just post it up on a platform Mm -hmm. it's just very one way so we want to make that a two-way discussion basically your class has access to it but then they're also interacting with it and leaving maybe a key takeaway from
0: the video, Sounds like Justin is turning Carrie away, because I guess the tool can't do what she's asking for. Carrie asks him for a feature, and then he sidesteps it and says, we actually have this other awesome feature, which is a polite way of doing that. But it still doesn't help Carrie. The tool still can't do what she wants it to do.
1: True, but Justin is saying that in the best possible way. What he goes on to say is, look, we've had a lot of discussions as a team, and we've decided that the best place for videos is in the discussion channel. Carrie, I understand that this is not ideal for you at the moment, but for better or worse, that's where videos are right now.
0: I guess. I mean, I've sat in on way too many company conversations where someone will ask, hey, can your tool do this? And the answer is just flat out no.
1: Right. And in my experience, some educators become frustrated when tools can't do exactly what they want them to do in the classroom. But it's honesty. It's honesty, right. And, you know, in those conversations, in turn, companies get frustrated that educators are frustrated and the relationship
0: breaks down. Okay, what Justin did that I actually find interesting is that he told Carrie no, but then also showed her another way to use the product.
1: Exactly. No, we are not able to customize the product to be exactly how you want it to be. But yes, there is another way in which it might be useful to you.
0: Okay, so we've talked about our three pitfalls. Now let's talk about how we can avoid them. So pitfall number one, for example, the words that educators and companies use to describe the same thing often end up being different.
1: Yeah, there is not an easy solution to this problem. It's something that uh, the index team here at EdSurge struggles with all the time. I think in a big sense for, for the whole industry, it's important for people to keep writing about new trends and asking questions when they don't understand something. The more that everybody in this industry communicates, the better our language will become. And as education tech matures, we'll get a lot of the jargon nailed down.
0: I do agree with that, and practically speaking, when you're an educator or a company in a conversation, I think it does help to use the product hands-on. So, you know, showing it in the demo, that way there's a specific image of the product associated with whatever word you're using to describe it. The visual plus the audio is easy to remember, and I totally understand this from having, you know, taught in the classroom. Right.
1: Okay, so on to pitfall number two. The prioritization of features to build into a product is very different for companies than for educators. Mary Jo, I'll let you start this one. Any any thoughts?
0: Okay, me, all right. Uh, <laughs> well, for companies, I think the best advice that I can give as a former educator is that you have to really listen to your customers on this one. A lot of the time, it's going to be the little features around usability and design that make the difference between teachers adopting a product and those that pass on it. Mm-hmm. So heed my warning, all of you entrepreneurs, if you're not regularly (laughs) working with educators to identify any issues, then you're going to miss out on those things.
1: That is a good warning to heed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And teachers, please understand that a lot of times companies' minds are on the large things that make a product work correctly. Things like data privacy, single sign-on integration, stuff like that. These smaller things might not always be at, at the top of the list. So when you can, it helps to be patient.
0: But don't Okay, but when teachers suggest things, companies should listen. I mean, we heard that on the Google podcast that we did with Jamie Cassip and Jonathan Rochelle um, a couple weeks ago.
1: Absolutely. And so that goes back to what we were saying about pitfall number three. It's impossible for a company to customize its tools for every educator out there. But teachers, if you want a feature, sometimes you just have to ask for it.
0: Yeah, in my opinion, the worst a company can say is a flat-out no. Right. But mo- most will be receptive to that feedback, and companies can usually give you either a timetable for when the feature will be available, like, oh, this will be coming out in you know fall 2015, or a reason why it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, okay, Michael, so I do have one question for you, which is, Did Carrie end up using (laughs) ChalkUp?
1: That is a great
0: question. That's what I keep thinking about. So
1: I followed up with both Justin and Carrie right after I recorded their conversation, and they were both optimistic about using ChalkUp. Here's Justin.
3: Do you think Carrie will try out ChalkUp? I do think Carrie will try out ChalkUp in some capacity. I I really felt like she was very positive after she saw the value of a lot of the different features and functionality, and like I said earlier, really related it to. Uh, how she would use it in her classroom. I think we checked a lot of boxes on that end, so I was excited for the opportunity of her trying it. So uh, we'll reconnect with Carrie and make sure that <laughs> we're meeting her needs. And here's Carrie.
2: I think it's something that once I get to know the teachers I'm going to be working with better and what they already do use, if they don't have have something that has some of these similar functionalities, that I, I would suggest it, especially to teachers I know in the school who are willing to try new things, and I may ask them just, you know, would you pilot it with like one class for, you know, maybe the first semester, see how it goes.
1: But that was a couple of weeks ago at this point. Since then, I emailed them both. Justin says that he's connected with Carrie on social media and that he's planning on alerting her about a new app that's coming soon from Chalkup. Meanwhile, Carrie said that the new school she just joined actually has committed to another similar tool. So she feels it's important for her to try to use that new tool before she pushes Chalkup at all. She has not gone back and played with the site since ISTI. Okay, that's it for today. A huge thank you to Justin Chando for letting us ambush him with an interview at ISTI, and to the whole team at Chalkup for helping us to get set up and then waiting around during the interview. And an equally huge thank you to Carrie Gallagher, who is not just an expert on edtech, but also a very fun person to hang out with.
0: To see Chalk Up for yourself, you can visit their website at chalkup.co. And you can check out Carrie's blog at kerryhawk02.com. That's H-A-W-K, hawk like the bird. Or follow her on Twitter at kerryhawk02. Big thanks also to Kathy Beneman, eric horowitz and all of the other writers who contributed to ed surge this week
1: also a special shout out to constantine d from novosibirsk russia who according to soundcloud is the top listener of our podcast constantine d if you're listening shoot us a note at feedback at edsurge.com we'd like to send you a small token of our appreciation
0: and hey if you're hunting for jobs this summer uh, we wonder if you've checked out our jobs board. We've got hundreds of open positions of all sorts. Teachers, administrators, researchers, salespeople, there's something for you on our jobs board. Head over to edsurge.com slash jobs to check all the jobs out.
1: And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening to the show and for reading EdSurge. If you like what you're hearing on the show, please keep listening and hit that subscribe button when you're done.
0: And tell a friend, a coworker. Yes, please tell friends a and a boyfriend. Definitely, definitely tell a
1: boyfriend if you've got
0: one. Something.
1: All right, I am Michael
0: Winters. And I'm Mary Jo Matta. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Search Podcast. <laughs>